Yesterday we talked about arguing for the credibility of scripture as a form of concise apologetics by showing messianic prophecy, say in the book of Isaiah and Zechariah and Amos, and I mean, you name it, all the Old Testament prophecies bear some foreshadowing of God's will for the Messiah and also for Israel. That's another topic we're gonna to cover in this series. But there's another way to go about this too. In the Gospel of Matthew, the whole book opens with this genealogy from Abraham to Jesus. And so the Gospel of Matthew is written in such a way that it convinced Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. John's Gospel is totally different. John's Gospel is written to people who were missing the Logos. They were missing what was missing from Aristotle's teachings, who taught Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world. Now, how do you employ a similar difference in strategies. You can argue for messianic prophecy fulfilled like we do in the Gospel of Matthew, but you can also use the Gospel of John approach. You can use what Paul used when standing before uh, the Areopagus on Mars Hill. This is Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 22. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the object of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. <laughs> that eats your diversity training for lunch, right, Michael Scott? And has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he's gonna judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is how Paul addressed Athens, largely polytheistic society. He found some element of truth in what they believed, and then he built a bridge to the true gospel. He even quotes one of their own poets in verse 28, for we are also his offspring. And so he draws from what they believe. You can, you can see likewise little glimpses of truth in secular thought and art. You can laud people for desiring the same things that God desires. For example, within our woke culture, I know that it, it, it's gone awry and it's become kind of a new virtue signaling authoritative basis for morality for the godless, but there's also beautiful echoes of truth in it. It's a good thing to want to see races reconciled, although I don't know if that's always the mission of woke people, I think really just wants to punish people for sins of their ancestors. But there is an element of a desire for reconciliation, for example. That is a good thing. You can find that commonality with what God desires. In the book of Revelation, we see that people from every nation 
tribe and language and tongue are gathered together and they all, all the nations bring their glory into heaven. You can laud them for desiring the same thing that God desires. You know that what you want is actually God's very will for heaven? You can, you can find kernels of truth and just as Paul did here in this text, build a bridge from that kernel of truth to the gospel itself. Now, when you're building that bridge, make sure you go all the way. A call to repentance. Don't just try to establish commonality and equivocate and as a result, compromise the true gospel. Because Paul pulled no punches. You'll notice that in the end, he straight up calls for repentance. Verse 30, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. There it is, repentance. Because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness. There it is, judgment. Remember, a complete gospel presentation has both the grace that God has for sinners and the wrath that God has for sin. This is not an either or. It is a both and, necessarily so. God has wrath for sin and he has grace for sinners. These are not in conflict with one another. These are both halves of Romans 6.23. So find a point of commonality. Find that kernel of truth in what they believe. For Paul, it was their altar to an unknown God. It was the quote from one of their poets. And then from there, he builds the bridge to the gospel and he doesn't stop short. He includes repentance, he includes judgment, he includes it all. You can emulate this as well. Find something that echoes scripture. And another kind of fun Easter egg hunt for you could be this. There are quotes from the Bible all over culture. There are people who quote the Bible all the time without realizing it. Listen for those little moments and see if God provides you an opportunity. Let me pray for you. God, we want to answer your calling to give people a reason for the hope that we have. We see Paul at the Areopagus in Athens and he's drawing upon their altar to an unknown God. Lord, that's what they called you, and you're the one true God. In you we live, and we move, and we have our being. Would you show us opportunities to emulate this, where we can spot glimmers of your truth in what they teach? You are the way, Jesus. You are the truth, Jesus. You are the life, Jesus. So when we see truth in secular teachings, we're getting glimpses of you. They're created in your image, and they bear your fingerprints. So when they come upon a piece of truth, even if they don't attribute it to you, we see you and we give you credit for it. So I pray that, God, you would give us those Mars Hill moments where we could find a kernel of truth, a glimpse of Jesus, and what is said by those who are far from you, and then build a bridge to the gospel. We promise you, Jesus, we're going to be faithful to build a complete bridge and invite people to repent, invite people to confess Jesus as Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.